right. Let's pray for the word. Father, tonight I thank you for your word. I thank you that uh, there's a spirit of revelation in this room, that you just reveal to us the things you want us to know and understand tonight. Father, we give you praise and we do give you great honor tonight for your word, that it's you we want to hear and you we want to hear from. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's see. Let me just start off by saying this. Do you realize that only God is God, right? You are not God. No matter how hard you try, you are not God. Sometimes when we teach the Word the way I teach it, sometimes people get under all kinds of condemnation because they don't seem like they're getting uh, the healing they believe they ought to get or they're not getting this thing or that thing that, that they that, that they feel like they ought to be getting. And the devil comes and, and tells them, well, see there, you just don't have faith and you just are this and you are just that. Um, but you got to understand that you are not God and you'll never be God. And so we, we, we can't try to be God. As hard as you want to try, faith is not a thing that you can pretend you have or you can try to make it happen faith is just faith and jesus said if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed he talked about you can do all kinds of things with a tiny bit of faith and let me just point this out to you you had enough faith to get born again you have enough faith for everything else you don't have to make something happen you can't make it happen because it comes by faith. So don't get frustrated when things don't seem to work out. It will work. You are not God, and by your own power, you simply cannot make the will of God come to pass. I like what Jesus said. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. I mean, it really is about him and, and what he has said. Uh, we, it's not about having faith in faith. It really is about having faith in God, having faith in God's Word, and, and, and walking with Him and walking it out. And no matter what goes on, to continue to believe Him. Continue to trust Him. I mean, sometimes we think that, that if I can just grip my teeth hard enough and believe hard enough, I can make God do what I want Him to do. That is foolish. There is no person on the planet that can make God do anything. God is faithful to His Word always. Always. So, so my thinking and my ability does not have more authority than God's Word. Understand tonight that God is more faithful than you are able. Tammy taught me that one time. I don't know if she made that up or if the Lord... She heard somebody else say it, but I'm giving her credit for it because God is more faithful than you are able. So relax and quit trying to make things happen. Okay? I found out that I am not God, and if I choose to believe anything other than His Word, then I've just declared myself to be God. If I believe the circumstance more than the word of God, then I've made myself the judge 
and I've made myself God. If I worry, I'm saying that I'm God and that the one true God is not able to perform his word. This is good advice for all of us. He really, really knows best. God is smarter than us. There should have been a huge amen just then because God is smarter than us. He knows better than we do. So we just need to say, what do you say, Lord? What is in your word that I need to stand on? And I'm just going to stand on that no matter what else goes on. No matter who else tells me this. Listen, if the doctor told you to take medicine three times a day, would you take it? This isn't a religious answer. The answer is yes, you would. Okay, you would take the medicine because you trust the doctor. Or you, if you went to the doctor, you probably would trust him. Or if you have a legal situation and you go to the attorney and he tells you to do this, that, and that, would you do that? Well, yes, you would because you believe and you trust that he probably knows more about the law than you do. We need to learn to respond the same way to the Lord. If we trust him, then we just will do what he says. Amen, this is so good. I'm preaching to myself right now. I mean, if he says it, then we should do it. I mean, it's just because that's what he said. I hear people say, well, you know, the word is just complicated and I don't know enough. That is a lie. The word is not complicated. It's not that complicated. Now, it may be complicated to figure out the book of Revelation. Maybe even though the book is called Revelation. <laughs> we should get a revelation from the book. But it's not complicated to believe what God promised you. It's not complicated. We don't need to make it complicated. God says what he means, and he means what he says. And we need to re- relax and understand that's what he's doing. God I love the fact God is not looking for a perfect performance on my part. He's not even looking for perfect theology. I know that surprises you, huh? That's not what he's looking for. The scripture says in 2 Chronicles 16, 9, it says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. That's what he's looking for. He's not looking for your performance. He's not looking for you to memorize and operate in the seven steps of faith. (laughs) If there is such a thing. That's not what he's after. He's after a perfect heart. Here's how it says in the New American Standard. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. It's interesting. The word perfect comes from from the Hebrew word shalom. Shalom, what does that mean? It means, well, we know it means peace, but generally the word shalom means complete. It means nothing missing, nothing broken. The word shalom means, means, means it means to, to, to be one who is complete. God's looking for a heart that is complete. A perfect heart is one that's at peace, believes that God is God, is absolutely convinced that God is God and it completely belongs to God. That's what God's looking for. 
He's not looking for how perfectly I did today and whether or not I got irritated when somebody cut me off on 82nd Street. He's looking to know that my heart is completely his. And the Bible says that he will strongly support those. He will show himself strong to those. See, we need to learn to look at the circumstances of life through the lenses of the Word of God. I mean, have you ever looked at yourself in the mirror without your corrective lenses? And you look and you say, wow, I thought I had more wrinkles than that. (laughs) Or, wow, I'm better looking than I thought I was. Well, we need to take the word and let that be our lens that we look at our life from and see what a scriptural view of life should be and not get all upset when things don't work the way that we think they ought to work. We hear all kinds of bad news all day, every day, because we live in this information age where the bad news comes that fast. And by the way, they understand if they'll put bad news out there, More people will listen to it and watch it and have to see the commercials. Because people don't listen to the good news, they listen to the bad news. And so they put it out there over and over and over. And so we have this idea in our minds that this world, and it is dark, but we have this idea that this nation is so bad, there is not anything good going on, but that is not true. We heard testimonies tonight of God healing and delivering and doing wonderful things in people's lives. We need to learn how to make sure we get this. God only is God. And his word is the only final authority. It's what God said. Because all the circumstances that are going on around us will come and go. But the word of God will stand forever. We need to recognize that. I mean, we need to decide, is my faith in the facts or in the truth? You realize the facts change all the time. The truth abides forever. And we need to learn to believe God like we're supposed to. It is safe to believe him. And it's, it's right for us to quit believing all the ridiculous things the devil keeps telling us. God is looking for somebody just like you. And just like me, to use for his glory. Somebody whose heart is complete. You may be thinking, well, I'm too old. Tell that lie to stop right now. You're not too old. None of us in this room are too old. Well, I don't have enough talent. Stop it. The Bible says that the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. What God called you to, he's called you to. He's not changed his mind about you. Age didn't make him change his mind. Your your talent, it's funny. If God called you to do something, he didn't ask if you were talented enough to do it. Thank you, Jesus, that you didn't say, this is the prerequisite. You have to have this much talent or this much education or you have to have this much money. God isn't looking at at any of those things. He's looking at your heart. We're looking at the outside. He's looking at the inside. And that's the way he operates. He's looking at our heart. You know, some people are like, well, my past, my past is so bad. God didn't look at your past. Not looking at your appearance. We we tend to focus on things that can change. But the word of God will never change. 
And that needs to be what we focus on. What did he say? All right, we're not finished. If we're still able to get up in the morning, and I say this a lot, and breathe on the mirror and fog it up, then we still have stuff to do. <laughs> All right, now the day you can't do that anymore, I get it. But then you'll be standing in front of Jesus face to face, and that'll be better than being here anyway. There's something to do. All right, we have to realize that we, just because we're more mature in life, doesn't make us the church of the past. We are the church of right now. We're not all of it, but we're certainly a part of it. And we need to recognize that. And we don't need to let people tell us that we're too old to matter. Or that we're, oh, you're just old-fashioned. There's nothing wrong with being old-fashioned. Right? I mean, it's okay to like different things than other people do. But it doesn't mean we're used up. Doesn't mean we're used up. Amen. This is awesome. Let me read you my text tonight. This is from John chapter 4, beginning of verse 46. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. And he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, and he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. And, when, and then Jesus said unto him, Except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The nobleman saith unto him, Sir, come down, ere my child die. Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Thy son liveth. Then inquired he of them the hour in which he began to amend. And they said unto him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was the same hour in which Jesus said unto them, Thy son liveth. And he himself believed in his whole house. This again is the second miracle that Jesus did when he was come out of Judah into Galilee. I really like this particular story. Let me set a foundation here. God intends for you and me to live lives in victory in Christ. That's what he intends. Jesus said, The thief cometh not, but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you might have and enjoy life in abundance to the full till it overflows. Now that sounds like a good life to me. He didn't say be totally free of problems, but he did say that we would have and enjoy life in abundance to the full till it overflows. That says That's from the Amplified Bible. Jesus intends for you and me to have lives that are, we ought to be enjoying our lives. Too many of us are too negative and all we see is how hard our lives are. Or how many times we've failed or how poorly we performed and we need to recognize that Jesus came to bring us life that we're to enjoy and we should have life in abundance what is life life is being connected to God life is 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 this connection to God that transcends the physical realm life is this this intimate connection with him and that ought to be in abundant and we ought to enjoy it. It ought to be to the full. It ought to overflow out of us. We ought not to have these lives that are that are that we live based on condemnation because we live our lives in the realm of condemnation instead of in the realm of of of, of grace and forgiveness. We are redeemed and blessed by God. Amen. And we need to live that way. We need to be that way. 
God intends for that to be our lives, yet too many Christians live in misery. They're miserable because they don't feel like they meet the standard. Or they, they feel like, well, you know, I sinned yesterday, so I might as well just beat myself up now. No, the blood avails for all of that. All right? Many Christians just live in despair and, and, and they live as slaves to sin. And, well, I messed up now. I might as well go sin some more. Might as well do something else awful while I'm at it. And, the, and, the, and they live their lives there. Many, many people live, they think their dreams are gone. Uh, but they can't be because God said his gifts and calling are without repentance. God has never changed his mind about any of us. Too many think that it's too late. I'm too old. I'm too ugly. I can't do this. That. That's just not true. We need to get rid of those things. It's never too late to have victory in your life. Some of us are like, wait a minute now. No, it's not too late. Now, granted, it may take a miracle. But it's not too late. So let's talk about that for a minute. We have victory in our lives by faith. According to the scripture, we were born again. It says we're saved by grace through faith. This grace came to us through this avenue of believing God, of, of just, just believing what he says. This is what I learned a long time ago. It is difficult to invite other people to come to Jesus when you are worse off than they are. It's going to be tough. I mean, why, why would anybody want to come to a Jesus who is the head of sad and mad people? Right? I mean... Would you want somebody come to you and they're mad and they're sad and they're beat up and they're, you know, they're sick all the time and they're broke all the time and they want to share Jesus with you? I'd be like, no, thank you, if I was lost. You know, I heard a guy, this is years ago, and he said, he said, he saw these old beat up cars. This is back in the 70s. They're old beat up cars and they had bumper stickers that said, Jesus saves. And the guy thought, well, I guess he saves old beat up cars because he couldn't figure out what he saved. <laughs> I mean, but that, that's, not, that's not the Jesus that, 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 that we're called to go to. I mean, the, the devil, he understands. He, he, does, he works hard as he can to keep you from getting saved. But once, he, once you get saved, his only hope is to shackle you with the circumstances of life and beat you down. So you can never do anything for God. He, want, he, wants, to, he, wants, to, he wants the trials and troubles of this world to choke out the miraculous seed of the promise of God in your life. That's what he's after. And he knows if he can get you to be sad and mad and get you to be beat up, he doesn't have to worry about you, except keep you sad, bad, beat up. That is not the Christian life we're supposed to be living. Not now, not ever. We are people who are free, from the sin that easily besets us, according to Scripture. I mean, we are to shake free of the spirit of this age and rise up in spite of it and be who God called us to be. God wants us to live in that kind of life. The Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 2.14, first time I read this and ever stopped to think about it, it changed my life. Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. I read that verse one day and I thought, wait a minute. Either that verse is a lie or my life is a lie. And thankfully I chose to believe the verse was true. 
and I defied the circumstance of my life with that passage of Scripture, everything changed. Not like that, but it changed. And then one day, sometime later, I looked around and thought, wait a minute, I am now having triumph in Christ. Because the word is true. The scripture tells us that we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. What is that? How can you be more than a conqueror? I heard a preacher tell the story one time. He said, he said when a heavyweight boxer goes into the ring and he fights the cha- for the championship and he beats the other guy up and he wins, he's a conqueror. And they gave him all that big check. He goes home and he holds up the check. And his wife takes it from him. She is more than a conqueror. <laughs> We are more than conquerors, the scripture says. We're not just conquerors. We're more than conquerors. The Bible says that we reign in life by one Jesus Christ. We're not slaves to life. We're not slaves to the circumstances. We reign in life by one Jesus Christ. The scripture says, in this, this is all the Bible. You find all, all I'm saying right here in the Bible. The scripture says that we are the head and not the tail. Scripture says that we are above and not beneath. For us to live our lives in all of that muck and guck that the devil tries to tell us we have to stay in is a lie. Read the New Testament. You're going to find out that the devil puts people down. But several times in the New Testament it says, and Jesus lifted them up because that's what Jesus does. He doesn't leave us in the mess. He lifts us up. I like this story. In the story, the nobleman is an officer or he's a prince of the royal family. He's an officer of Herod Antipas, the Tetrarch of Galilee. He is a big deal. His son is sick at the point of death, the scripture said. The New Living Bible says he is at death's door. Here he is, a very powerful man, a very wealthy man, but he needs something that power and wealth can't get him. He needs a miracle. He needs something bigger than his wealth and his money. I mean, when you need a miracle, it doesn't matter what your status in life is. That's not going to matter. There's only one answer. I mean, truly, if you need a miracle, the answer isn't your lawyer, your doctor, your money, your smarts. It's none of those things. I mean, some things money just cannot buy. I mean, it doesn't matter how many degrees you have. If you need a miracle, you need God. You've got to somehow get to that place. You can't just psychologically manipulate it sometimes. You know, I remember being at that place when I didn't have the money, the strength, or the mental ability to change it. That's when I ran across that verse that I read to you earlier. That, I, that, that, that we, we're to triumph, always triumph in Christ. I mean, it doesn't matter how educated you are. And education is good. Or how much money you have. And, uh, you know, I've been without money and with money, and I like it better with. I, I think that's good. It doesn't doesn't matter how good you are at this or that. Miracles require coming to God and require faith in God. So let's look at that just a little bit. There are are a couple of keys in this passage that I want to talk about. And a key, if we talk about keys, if you have a key, a key works every time, right? doesn't matter how you feel. If you have the flu and you have a key to the front door, it works even if you have the flu. It works if you don't have any money. It works if you have the key. A key works every time. So if we can find some keys to this this thing, it's going to be good for us. All right? You may not need a miracle today, but at some point you will. 
they're always the, we, we need that. So here's some things I want us to look at. First of all, miracles are, are must be motivated by love. The miraculous realm, it, we, have, we have to you have to love something more than than where you are. And so this this is an example where love is the motivating force behind uh, what faith will do. There's a story, remember the story of the guys where they tore the hole in Jesus' roof and lowered their friend down? They were motivated by love. They loved this guy so much they were willing to do anything to get him healed. And so they tear a hole in Jesus' roof while he's preaching. Lower him down there and Jesus healed the guy. But he said, the scripture says he saw their faith. What did he see? He saw the action of what they were doing. And that, 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 that action that, that action was evident of faith. This guy, his love for his son causes him to go out of his way to get to Jesus. I mean, this was not a convenient thing. I mean, he didn't tear Jesus' house apart, but he had to travel 20 miles to get to where Jesus was. 20 miles, he either walked or he rode on a horse or he rode on a camel or something. I mean, it took him a day because we know that's how long it took him to get home. So it took him a day to get there. All the while, his son is at the point of death. He had to turn his back on his town, walk away from it to get to Jesus because he loved his son. The scripture says in Galatians 5, 6, there's an interesting verse, part of the verse. It says, faith worketh by love. You ever heard that before? Faith worketh by love. The word, the, the word here, worketh, is the Greek word, energeo, we get the word energy or the word energized. So what that says is that faith is energized by love. Love is the, is the energizing factor. This word also means to be operative, to be active, efficient, put to work, put forth power. Faith is operative when we love. Faith is active. It's efficient. Faith is put to work and puts forth power as we walk in love. As we live our lives in love. Listen. We'll, our faith is always employed by our love for others and for God. When you did a miracle and God's called you to do something. If you love him, your faith will, will be energized by your loving God. Loving what God has told you to do. If you love people, you'll be, your faith will be energized. You'll go to work and do what needs to be done for those. Sometimes when you... <coughs> In your own body, say you need faith for healing or faith for money to do something. Because you love God and you want to obey God and do what he told you to do, you will, out of that love for God, you'll believe. Sometimes our, our desire for a miracle is not motivated properly. Sometimes I want a miracle because I want more money. Or I want a miracle because I'm tired of hurting I want a miracle because I'm afraid that if something doesn't happen, something worse is going to happen. Faith is not operated by fear, by lack, by all the... It's operated because I love God and I love people. And that's how it operates. The first step, first, the first thing about miracles is we've got to love people. We've got to defy our own flesh on purpose because we love something more than our flesh. I like that. First key to any miracle is, is love. I'm telling you, I've seen miracles. I, I could tell you some stories of miracles that I've seen when a mama will come. I was in Mexico one time in, in Saltillo, and uh, 
we had we had done a, a play and in this play uh, my interpreter <laughs> happened to be Jesus in the play and I was God the Father well so that all these people wanted Jesus and God to pray for them anyway so this mama comes to me and, and my interpreter his name was Martin and Martin and I were, were there and he had a big growth on his neck and the mama loved him and she would will, she was willing to do anything to get there for him she fought through a crowd to get to me to get to Martin and she said if you pray for my son he'll be healed I put my hand on his neck Martin put his hand on top of my hand we prayed and I'm telling you the growth disappeared under our hands the mama was dancing because she loved him. And that love motivated her to push through the crowd to get to where we were. She loved us. We must be people that love. We've got to love people. And I can tell you other miracles, but that's, that's a good one for tonight. Another thing you have to have is you've got to hear the right things. You've got to listen to the right things. This man would have never taken his son to Jesus if he hadn't heard that Jesus was the healer. He had to hear that from somebody, right? He wouldn't just say, hey, there's a guy named Jesus. If he didn't hear he was the healer, he would have gone 20 miles. Okay? He had it, it, you've got to hear the right things. Faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. You've got to hear things. You've got to hear the right things. I mean, it takes faith to receive a miracle from God anytime, especially in the time of trial. It comes as we hear the word. This man had to have heard that Jesus was the healer. It may have been when he first heard it, he didn't believe it, but he kept hearing it, kept hearing it, until as he listened to it, he began to believe that it was true. We need to listen to what the Bible says about the power of God, about the supernatural will of God for our lives, and not give up on what the Word says, and hear it, and hear it, and hear it, and hear it, until that is the first thought that comes to our mind. Because if you don't, if you don't, if you don't hear the Word, there's no faith for anything. I mean, we got to understand the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he healed people in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he heals people today. If he delivered them from demonic power in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Acts, he delivers them today. He is the same. He will always be the same. He will always do the same things. He will always operate the same way. But you've got to hear it. The woman with the issue of blood, when she heard heard about Jesus. That's when she pushed through. That's when the miracle came. You've got to hear the right things over and over. The Bible says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. We've got to understand all that are oppressed, all that are oppressed, Jesus healed them all. He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yeah, but what about the person that I heard about that Quit hearing about that. Hear about Jesus is the healer, that he's the same. He's the deliverer. He's the prosperer. He's the one. What about the man who, who his whole house got saved because Paul said, don't kill yourself. We need to recognize he is the same. The time to hear the word is right now. What I find most of the time, sadly, is many people never hear enough word for the miracle until they're in the thick of the problem. You need to be listening now. It's kind of like when David went and slew the, the giant, you know? 
He picked up five smooth stones out of the river, put the one in his sling, and he let it go and he killed the giant. That was not the first time he ever threw a stone. He practiced and he practiced and he practiced and he practiced. The time to practice with the word is right now. Practice and practice and practice and you will know exactly what you need to do. You may not need to hear the need a miracle now, but you need to hear now. Jesus likened the seed that the, that the sower sowed in Mark chapter 4 to the word. He said the seed is the word. He declared the seed must be sown so that it can grow. Faith needs to grow. It takes time and some effort to sow a seed and to be able to reap a harvest from it. It takes time. We need to put the put the word into us now. Put the word into us now. All right. It takes time to develop and grow faith that will produce a miracle in the time of your need. We need to hear the word. Luke 17, Jesus said, said, said that if you have faith, you will say. I'm going to tell you something. If you put the word into your heart, into your eyes, into your heart, into your eyes, into your heart, it will come out of your mouth, out of your mouth, out of your mouth. Because that's what you think about. That's what you talk about. That's what you do. It, we don't need to put the circumstance into our heart over and over, but the word into our heart. The woman with the issue of blood, she said to herself, if I but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. And I'm telling you, I believe she said it more than one time. I believe she said it as she was fighting the crowd. I believe she said it as she's crawling along the ground. She said, if I just touch the hem of his garment, there it is. If I just touch it, if I just touch it, if I just touch it. Because she put that in her heart. And that's what came out of her. First, Second Thessalonians 1, three says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly. Our faith needs to get bigger. And we need to put the word in now. The time to hear is now, so your faith will be developed as you need it. We begin now to hear the word more than anything else. I love what Jesus said in Mark chapter 4, verse 24. He said to them, Take heed what you hear. With what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you. And unto you that hear shall more be given. For he that hath to him shall be, shall be given. For he that hath not from him that shall be taken away even that which he hath. He says it's measured. Faith, it, the word is measured to you based on how much you hear. How you hear. How you hear it. If you quit listening, you can lose it. You need to be hearing it all the time. The it he's talking about is the manifestation of the word. You've taken the time to plant into your heart. And you plant it all the time. So we've got, we've got to love, we've got to hear, and here's, here's a really important part here. We've got to understand his way must be the way. This nobleman comes to Jesus. He is a powerful man and he's used to being in charge. And he had a plan that he intended for Jesus to follow. He said, Jesus, if you come to my house... And touch my boy, he will be saved or be healed. That's the plan. I'm the one in charge here, Jesus. So you come on and let's do that. Imagine his surprise when Jesus said, no. That wasn't what Jesus, that wasn't the plan. That was his plan, but it wasn't Jesus' plan. We've got to understand that God's plan may not always match our plan. Now we've got to believe he will always do what he says he will do. But he doesn't have to do it the way I tell him to do it. He will always do it. His answer, the scripture says, is always yes and amen to his promises. 
He says, yes, the amen is by us, but we have to trust him to do it his way and not in our preconceived way. I mean, Jesus said no. The scripture said, Jesus said, except you see, you will not believe. Basically, he said this, you don't have to have my flesh there. I don't have to go with you. You just need to believe what I tell you to do. That's what our job is. For us, seeing is not believing. For us, believing becomes seeing. We must believe first. We must take, take the step of faith first. We walk by faith and not by sight. Most people will not believe until they see a miracle. I met a pastor one time and he said to me, he said, he said well, I've never seen a miracle. And I said, really? And he said, I said, that's surprising. He said, well, I, you know, I'm not going to believe until I see one. And I said, well, don't worry. You're going to get exactly what you believe for right now. You will never see one. He stepped back and said, what are you saying? I said, what I just said is what I'm saying. Faith is believing him. If I stay with him, I'll believe what he says. Faith is selling out on his word. I mean, Jesus is saying that signs and wonders are not the prerequisite to faith. But faith is the prerequisite to signs and wonders. And I am not in charge of telling him what to do. His way is the way. His way is the way of faith. I tell you, this is so important to us. We cannot tell him what he does, what he has to do. Our job is simply to believe him and to trust him, whatever he says. His is the best way. You know, I may not have gotten the promotion I thought I should have gotten, and I prayed and I believed for it. It didn't come. Well, the answer to that is yet. And is that what he even wanted in the first place? I'm not God. We started off that way. I can't tell him what to do. He is the Lord. He is, and the Hebrews called him Adonai. That means he is in charge of everything in my life. He is the boss. He is the controller. He is the one that I submit to. Modern day Christianity has made us the driver and him the passenger. He is the driver. We simply are in the passenger seat. All right. He may not allow us to see the whole thing. I am so grateful tonight that I couldn't see the whole thing because I might not have ever taken the first step. But it's taking those steps. Our miracle, listen, you don't know how, how close you are to the miracle. If you just stay and keep doing it his way, you never know how close you are. Finally, his word, well, almost finally. His word must be believed. I want to make a statement and see what you think about it. I want to make two statements. Number one, faith always stops at the question mark. I'm going to explain it to you. Never put a question mark where God puts a period. Because if you put a question mark, you will stop. Jesus wasn't asking a question when he told the guy to go home because his son would live. If there would have been a question mark right there, faith would have come to a screeching halt. Not my job to put a question mark where God puts a period. I must believe what he said. And I must eliminate all opinions that are contrary to his word. I cannot, I cannot let the question mark stop me. I love verse 50. It says, the man believed 
the Word. Faith in God, faith in the Word is never passive. In fact, the word believe is a verb. It comes from the same Greek word as the word for faith, and that simply means to be sold out on something. Unable to be convinced otherwise. Unable to be moved off the Word. Listen, it's okay. It's okay to go have Benny Hinn pray over you. Or to get a word from the 700 Club. Or whatever may be out there. But it's not okay to trust those things more than the Word of God. Man, that's okay. Here's when the miracle took place. When he believed the Word. Because he got home and that's when they said the boy got healed. When he believed the Word. That's when your miracle begins. When you love, when you when when you decide his plan is your plan, and you decide you decide that that that, that you're going to believe the word no matter what, I mean that's when the miracle took place. That's when our nation gets turned around. When the church believes his word and we believe our authority, that's when it happens. That's when that's when our kids get saved. That's when our grandkids get saved and delivered. When we believe what he said, that's when we get the miracle. I mean, think about this guy on his way home. Think about the battle that's going on in his mind. Jesus said, he's healed now. Go home. Think about it. I mean, he's got a whole day to go. And the, the devil's saying, your son is as good as dead. You believe that? I mean, that had to be coming to him. But he had to be rebuking that thought. And he, can't, he had to be saying, no, 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 no. No, I believe the word. Jesus said that he is well. I believe that. I believe that more than anything else. Jesus told the centurion, he said, centurion said, I want you to heal my servant. Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. He said, no, no, you don't have to. Speak the word only and my servant will be healed. We need to understand his word contains everything we need. The miracle is in that in that word. We must know it. We must believe it. The only way to know and believe the word is to overload on it. Put the word in your heart every day, all the time. I mean, if people come to me for counseling. I do everything I can to fill them up with the word so much that they, and I say, you need to take notes, and they need to take notes and write the scriptures down that I tell them. And then I need them to meditate in that and come back and tell me what those, what those verses were next time. Because the word is what they need in their lives. Many Christians love Jesus, but they don't believe him. Many Christians love him, but they're defeated in life because they don't take time to put the word in them enough for it to produce what it's supposed to produce. They don't allow, there's not enough seed to produce a crop. Or they learned the verse years ago. Listen, we can only believe the word we know. You can't, I wish, I wish it was true that we could just hold the Bible and go, I believe this book. If you've never been in it or read it or, or taken time with it, you don't believe it yet because you don't know what it says. I wish, and I say this all the time, I wish we could put the Bible under our rear end and it would osmos all the way up into our hearts. But it doesn't do that. It goes through a different gate than that. We have to know that. I mean, we got to believe the Word. We, we can't allow, allow ourselves to, to, to just, well, I'm going to take this month off from reading the Bible. Why? I'm going, to take, I'm going to take this month off from believing God. Why? Why would anybody do that? Oh, I'm too busy to read the Bible. No, you're too busy not to read the Bible. I mean, we, we need to put that... We need, people, they love Jesus, but they don't take the time to find out what he had to say. 
You only know the words you've meditated in and have revelation of. Jesus said that it's the truth you know that makes you free. you got to know the truth. So the miracle begins when you believe. Jesus said, therefore, I say to you, what things ever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So we have to believe. We must believe it all the time. So that's how the miracle begins. That's what happens. But we must be patient. The scripture says in Hebrews 10.36, For you have need of patience, that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. It may not happen on your timetable, but God is faithful to his word. The scripture says in Hebrews 6.12, That you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Now what does patience mean? That's a good question. I'm glad you asked. It does not mean wait and be inactive. The word patient means to stay the same. To remain confidently the same no matter what circumstances come in front of you. That's what patience is. It's not, patience is not, I wish you'd hurry up God. Or people used to say, well, don't ever pray for patience because you might have to get it. No, no. Patience is remaining the same. And there's a fruit of patience that means you lack nothing, according to the scripture. So it's really good to have that. But it's, it's staying the same. Staying the same. The man walked all the way home, had no visible manifestation. But he stayed the same. He, the boy began to amend. The word began means he possessed. That means he possessed the healing the moment the man believed what Jesus said. Jesus told Jairus in the Bible when his daughter was dead, he said to him, don't be afraid, keep on believing. And Jesus walked in the house and said, she's not dead, she's asleep. Everybody left. And Jesus said, get out. Went to her bedroom and said, daughter, I say to you, arise. Because the word was true. Jesus said she was asleep. She wasn't dead. I'm going to close with one story here. I ran across this this week. I thought it was good. This is a woman who wrote a letter one time. She says, Two years ago, my finances hit rock bottom. I found myself running out of everything. Top it all off, I ran out of toilet paper. Such a little thing, but until you reach rock bottom, you don't know how major a little thing like that can become. I used up the last of it and, 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 and used it up just about everything that I could use that could be substituted. I didn't know what to do until payday. I was too embarrassed to ask my friends to loan me, of all things, a roll of toilet paper. Here I was, 33 years old, a Christian, couldn't afford the basic household supplies. What kind of victorious life was that? As the day wore on, I became more depressed. I remembered Mark 11:24. Jesus said, I tell you, whatever you ask for prayer, ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. She said, I know God answers prayer. I know that Philippians 4, 6, 6 told me not to worry about anything. I knew God was, I was to pray about everything. I knew I was to tell God about my needs. I knew all that, but I hadn't done it. Instead, I sank into self-pity and defeat. Then suddenly I decided to take him in his word. He said everything. So I was going to pray for everything, including toilet paper. I, pray, I prayed right then. I told God there, was, there were much greater needs in the world, but right now I needed a little toilet paper. Strangely, I confess, I felt that he would provide it. I thanked God and went to bed. At midnight, I awoke and walked toward the bathroom. Then I remembered there wasn't any toilet paper. Now what was I going to do? I cried through my tears. God, where are you? I did what you said I was supposed to do. I need toilet paper right now. Just then, the doorbell rang three times. 
It startled me. Who would be here at this time of night? I hesitated, but I throw on my robe, turn on the front porch light, cautiously open the front door just a crack, and there was no one there. I looked out toward the street. Then I saw it. Someone had TP'd my yard. For a few seconds, I stood there in stunned disbelief. Then I ran out and began gathering up the tissue. Unashamedly, I sang, Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You did it. You did it. You did it. The next day, my neighbor confessed that they had been sitting around at the previous evening trying to think of something to do. Then about midnight, someone suggested, let's toilet paper Linda's yard. So they did. We thought you lost your mind, they said. We thought you might be upset, but instead we saw you running around the yard yelling, praise God, praise God. (laughs) Well, I assured them, you may have done the actual papering, but God sent it. And I can't help but think God chuckled when he answered my prayer for such a little thing. Here's the reality. He is faithful. He will do what he said he would do. He sent his son. He sent his word. Jesus died on the cross, was raised from the dead so that we could have every promise in the book. So we could live our lives in abundance, overflowing. I mean, he will honor his word. He will honor it if we simply believe it. First John 5, 4 says, this is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. We need to believe him. Believe him. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, tonight we thank you that you hear us, you know us, you see what's going on in our lives. Tonight, Father, I thank you that their miracles are out there, but it's not the miracles we seek, it's you. It's your face. Lord, we repent for putting question marks where you put periods. We repent for stopping when we have a question. We choose tonight to obey you, to walk with you. I pray for vision and revelation that we just simply do what you say to do. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.